Hi, I'm Tony Red, and welcome to The Red Room, the next edition of Unsung Musicians Behind the Headline Legends. Well, today is a very special day because I have a guest who is not unsung. He is a five-time Grammy Award winner. He is one of the founders of the supergroup Bella Fleck and the Flecktones since the formation in 1988. He is also a member of the band SMV with two other bassists, Stanley Clark and Marcus Miller. He is a skilled naturalist, a father, a teacher, and published author. Without further ado, bassist extraordinaire, Victor Wooten. Hello. Hello, Victor. Hey, good to hear your voice. Hello. Well, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. I'm just walking into my door. That is so right on time. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would like to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to do my little podcast. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean, you know, you are the, the let's see, you're the bass master. So why why wouldn't I want to you know talk to somebody as accomplished, as successful, and world renowned as you? Yeah, you're very kind. No, I'm not kind. <laughs> you know, I, I can be kind, but I'm just telling the truth, man. You're very humble. I can already tell that your spirit is so humble and generous, and everything. And so let's just get down to this. Man, I tell you what, I was just enjoying so much doing all the research on you, your many projects. You have so much. My goodness, how do you keep up with yourself? Uh, Well, the the main thing I would say, well, there's two main things. One is I have help. You know, um, with my wife, uh, what, 27 years, maybe 28 years this, this year. Um, she's a big help in just in everything. I have a manager who sees another big help. Like my wife takes care of the home life. When I'm on tour, I don't have to worry about the kids, the dog, anything, the house. My manager takes care of my business life, so I don't have to worry about that either. So that really allows me to just stay creative. Wow. And, and, and to do what I love to do, which is, which is entertain people, make music. But at the same time, the, I, I, I'm doing what I love to do. You know, it's not like I have to, you know, work at a fast food restaurant or a grocery store or clean streets. I get to play music. Yeah, you do. And I get to do that in a lot of different situations. So it makes it kind of easy. I do get tired, but I love what I do. It's a good tire. And you know what else, Victor? You're such, like I said, you're such a generous spirit. You're... You're not only playing music and you're blessed to be able to do what you love, but you're also changing people's lives. You know, with your with your um your your camp. You won't believe this, but I know somebody who actually went to your camp. And they they went like uh, almost twenty years ago. And they're right now trying to come together with some of the people that they met at your camp who they're still friends with to come back to the camp. To have a yeah, twenty yeah. year reunion there. And that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Isn't that awesome? And the guy was telling me and I'm being honest with you, he said that 
when I was talking to him, he said, my eyes are, are tearing up, Tony, just thinking about, he said, that was one of the most life-changing and life-altering things. He said, he said, in my 50-some years of living, that's been one of the best experiences in my life. I said, oh, that's real? very sweet. I said, I, that's what I have to do. I have to share this with Victor Wooten because not only are you as talented, you know, five-time Grammy Award winner, you know, and uh, Rolling Stones uh, voted you uh, one of the best bassists in the world. They even said you were, you know, better than Jaco Pastoria. Um, Y'all had two well. different styles, but yours is more funky. And I mean, to be compared to Jaco, you know you're boss. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is a uh, a blessing, right? To be in the same same article, the same anything category as tackle that means a lot. I know, man, and yeah. and and because of your music and your history and everything that you've done, you you have quite a collection of great things. Like, uh, I mean, you sell you sell all this stuff. You have you know merchandise. You have a lithograph. Yeah. It's only twenty of them available. Signed and numbered by you. Uh, the, the great award-winning uh, um, designer, uh, illustrator, and photographer Steve Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He used to do uh, he used to do uh, photography and art for Prince. Yeah, one of Prince's famous albums, Graffiti, Graffiti Bridge. I know. Yeah, Steve Park. Steve he uh, he painted that album cover. I know. And I was lucky enough to fall in uh, with him, so that's been great. I don't know about you being lucky. I know about you being blessed. Okay, and you know, and then so you were the founder and um of the Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tones. Right, one of the founding members. Yeah, one of the founding members. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you all came together in 1988, right? Exactly, exactly. And, yeah, and yeah. You, well, you you know a lot. Yeah, and and you're still playing with them. Yeah, yeah, we've been taking off a, a bit, you know, over the pandemic. Some. Everyone's getting a, a, a kind of a well-needed break. Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, Bela was the last one of us to have kids. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually, my brother who plays drums doesn't have any either. But I've got kids. Our original guy who played harmonica, his name was Howard Needy. When we formed the band, he had two little kids. And the rest of us, no kids. We weren't even married. We, was, we just wanted to stay on the road all the time. Wow. And uh, I was the second one to get married and have kids. And I realized, oh. You know, can't be on the road all the time. And now Bela's got two little boys, and so he understands the value of being home. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Being at home, I mean, it's really important, especially when you have kids, because they need to understand you are father, and we're all grounded. Right. And, you know, you know they, they need that. You know, the world needs you, too. <laughs> okay. Right. Now, I want to something that I need to understand. What's a skilled naturalist? Well, um, back in in the 90s, 91 to be exact, I started taking classes in the outdoors. Basically, all the things that our ancestors had to know for us to still be here. Like before there were grocery stores. You know, a lot of people of color could never afford to go to a doctor, so you had to know plants that could help you heal. So basically, I started learning all the old ways, what our, what our native ancestors used to know, how to rub sticks together and make fire, how to make a hut, how to understand the birds. Like when Grandma used to say, oh, a little birdie told me, I found out that's true. You can literally learn to understand not just what the bird 
like that's a robin, that's a chickadee. You can learn what they're saying. And I met people who knew this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, for 10 years, I studied with them. And so I like sharing that with people. And it's a big part of my camp is getting people outdoors yeah. to, 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 uh, you know, uh, Tony, I'll say it this way. When you meet someone who's just naturally gifted at something, you might find a 10 year old that just is really good at the piano or whatever. You say, wow, you're a natural. But when you think about what does that really mean? Being a natural means that you're like nature. Right? A squirrel just knows how to build a nest. A beaver just makes a dam. They don't go to school for it. Animals live their nature to their highest. But in many cases, that, uh, as we grow and study and learn what is natural about us, uh, we can risk it getting top out of us. And so to me, the most natural thing on the planet is nature. So I bring nature back into people's lives, and it literally helps them doing whatever they choose to do with it, whether it's music or something else. So my camps always have a nature, uh, a nature component. And so it's still natural. It just means I've studied a little bit about the outdoors. It's mm -hmm. things that my parents already knew. I didn't know it growing up, but now right. I know they already knew this stuff. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, that's guess that's why you called it Wooten Woods. So exactly. A, yeah, it's a and it's literally out in the woods. Yeah. I, yeah my, uh, the, my friend told me, he said you, I'm sure you won't remember him, because you met thousands and millions of folk, but he said that you called him Fruit Loops. But, you know, oh, man, I remember Fruit Loops. Remember of course Fruit I remember oh, Fruit Loops. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, Dale Raisin. I mean, he oh, went yeah. on and on. He was telling me about, you know, when <laughs> he came to your camp, Chuck mm -hmm. Rainey was an instructor. Steve Bailey yeah. was an instructor. Adam yeah. Meaty. You even had mm -hmm. yogurt. I mean, I mean, not yogurt. <laughs> yoga. You had a yeah, yoga. Yoga, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he said, yeah. he said, at the end of the six days, he said, um, Okay, he said, he said, you know, Tony, when I went into the camp, I went in want to be like, like Victor Wooten. He said, but when I came out, I wanted to be a better version of myself. I wanted to improve on who I was. And I said, that right there is so incredible. I just want to share that with you because you changed people's lives, not just being on stage with your music. I mean, through so many things that you, that, that you do. I, I appreciate you sharing that story, Tony, because that is the, Number one goal of the camp is to have people fall back in love with themselves. Yeah. And and if if they need to fall in love with me first, okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm okay You're with okay that with because that. I I am because I try to be the best example I can be. You know I I want to be a good person to fall in love with. Yeah. So that if you have a model of what a good person is, see, I'm already a model in their mind of what a good bass player is. Right. Right. But my mom always said when we were growing up, my mom said, what does the world need with just another good musician? Oh, no. She said, we have plenty. She says, what the world needs are more good people. Yeah. And so if my music brings them there, I'm good with that, but I want them to become more than that and realize who they are as people. So Fruit Loops nailed it. That's the number one oh, thing we want from the camp. I know. I thought it was awesome, and I love what your mom said. If the world were to follow you today, where would you leave them? <laughs> I love that. Isn't that a powerful quote? Your mom Isn't that a powerful question? That's so powerful. 
But my answer yeah. was enter my kitchen and make them some of my best chocolate chip cookies because I make a mean <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. Oh, I'm I mean, at the front of that line. I mean, you look, you can have some. That's what everybody tells me. Look, I've had my friends try to invest. They try to figure out how to get it on the market. Uh, I mean, just all kind of stuff. People are like, oh, my God. I mean, what are you putting in them cookies? I'm like, well, it's not drugs, but they are good. I, I've kind of, yeah, I, I will. I've kind of come up with a little recipe, you know, addition, and yeah. stuff taken away, and it's it's pretty darn good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love oh, myself a good chocolate chip Me cookie. Too. Wow, who doesn't? That's why I would lead them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but you know, you are also a published author. You have so many books that you've written, man. How to learn to yeah. play Amazing Grace. Step by step. And you know what I love? How to learn to play. You can't hold no groove if you ain't got no pocket. Never know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bass is all about the groove. Yes, it is. You know, and it, that uh, where the bass, the drums, the keys, and the guitar win a, a section of the band called the rhythm section. The rhythm section. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I. You know, we need notes too, but you know, they ain't but 12 of the notes. Yeah. And nobody's dancing to them. Nobody dances to the key of the song. Right. They're dan- right, they're dancing to the groove and the feel. And for me, that's number one. Exactly. Because all the styles of music use the same notes, but what makes them different is something other than the notes. The notes are in there too, they're, they're very important. But what I found when I became a teacher is that most people are teaching notes. Right. And so I decided to, to find out what else was just as important as the notes and teach that also. And that's what that song's about, groove. I know. And, and a groove, to me, the groove is everything. Right. And the pocket, you have to have that pocket. And, you know, right. like, like I've, you know, I've told drummers before, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I, you know, I've been on stage and I'm like, I don't need a drum clinic behind me. I need you to play for the song. You know what I mean? I know you got a million chops, you can hit all these licks, but that's not what I, you know, have you on stage for. I need you to play the song. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it it takes a lot of discipline. Yes, it does. um, To do that, especially these days. Mm -hmm. These days where people learn, and I don't want to be the old guy complaining how it, you know, how it is now and how it used to be when I was young. Yeah. But these days, I can re- I can learn something really well by myself at home and put it on YouTube and get a lot of credit for it. Mm-hmm. Where it used to be the only way to learn was if there was a drummer up the street or a keyboard player next door, you were at each other's house playing together. So we used to learn to play music with another musician. And now people learn by themselves in their bedroom. Yeah. And it's like learning how to swim in your bedroom. You don't know if you can swim <laughs> until you get in the water. Exactly. And I've met a lot of musicians who get in a band or whatever, and like you say, the drummer's putting on a show when they're supposed to be supporting, you know, somebody else, and we haven't learned how to support yet. Exactly. Um, and see, that's, yeah. that's where I have, I've, you know, seen you play, heard your music, and, you know, Marcus Miller, I know y'all have that super group, Stanley Clark, right. Marcus Miller, and you, SMV, and see, that's what wow. I love about you guys, y'all are bad, you know, monsters on your own, but I've seen you play behind other people, and you know how to support, and be just as bad supporting, 
and that's that's right. seasoned musicians. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are my big brothers right there, Marcus and Stanley. I know. And, uh, you know, people compliment me a lot, and I just say, look, I learn from the best. Yep. You know, and Stanley and Marcus are definitely two of the best. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well as Jocko. I never met Jocko, but I yeah. learned a lot from him. Yeah. But, you know, I learned from bass players that played the bass. They knew how to support people. You know, Marcus with, uh, with, um, uh, all of a sudden, uh, I'm, I'm the big, this big singer, definitely with Miles. But, but I was thinking, uh, uh, oh my goodness, my brain is just getting old. No, it's not. Don't um, <laughs> Well, you gonna know as soon as I, as soon as his name popped back in my head. Okay. But uh, Luther, Luther, oh, Luther, Luther oh, oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. Marcus wrote and produced a lot for Luther. I know. And that was just all about soul and feel. It was not about bass chops. Mm -hmm. So Marcus knows how to do that. Yeah. And Stanley the same way. Yeah. Stanley Clark, his whole goal was to be the first black uh, acoustic bass player in the Philadelphia Symphony. Wow. So that was his goal. And then all of a sudden he met Shikaria. And, and he changed the whole electric bass world. Yes, he did. Yeah. But they all—they both know how to support, and I'm yeah. lucky that I learned from from them and many others, like we said, Chuck Rainey and so. Yeah, that's so important. Now, where does um, Larry Graham fit into that lineup? Is he one of your heroes, or? Oh my! Uh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. All, all of us that use our thumb, all of us that use our thumb on the bass, uh, have to uh, take our hat off to Larry Graham because that's where it came from. So, yeah, Larry, I mean, with Sly and the Family Stone, oh, yeah. so many great, you know, great, uh, great songs. Yeah. 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 Okay, so um, tell me about the lesson of 2 through 10. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. When I started getting asked to teach music, uh, when Baylor Fleck and the Flecktones started getting popular, and I wound up being in Mac, uh, Bass Player Magazine almost every month. And, uh, and so I started being asked to teach, and I, I, didn't, I never taught anything. Um, and I never thought about teaching, you know. Mm -hmm. So I started studying teaching. What are people teaching? How do people teach? And Tony, I realized that people were teaching really, really good things, mm -hmm. but just about all of it, just about all of it, was centered around the 12 notes. And I just, I just knew that, look, that music is more than just 12 notes. And I felt that what people were teaching about the notes was good enough. I wasn't no need for me to go and do that. Let me find out what, what else does the musician need to know. And I realized, wow, people aren't teaching how, how to play dynamics. How to play space, like when not to play a note, how to leave holes, uh, the tone, articulation, you know, feels and phrasing. So I came up with a list of ten essentials, not that one's better than the other, mm -hmm. but ten things that you need to know. And if you get these things right, your music will be good, right? People will get it. If you get these ten right, and notes is in there. I don't leave notes out. I just didn't spend a whole lot of time teaching notes because there's people better at that. And so I came up with this list of ten, and um, 
and, and I would just give, I came up with exercises of, of like, how do you play space? Right? Because a lot of people think of a rest as I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. But no, you, you are playing. If I wrote a piece of music and I didn't want you to play for two bars, I wouldn't leave those two bars empty. I would write something in those bars that say, play this. And so you still got to count, you still got to feel, but you got to play this space. You know, so instead of thinking of laying out, you think of adding space. And so I came up with exercise on how to get better at it. And so basically I focused on numbers, what I call two through ten. We put, we put notes at number one, not because they're most important, but just because we, we already know about notes. There's tons of exercises to notes. Mm-hmm. But then I, I focus on my lessons, uh, especially my beginning lessons when I first start with a student at my camps, we focus on numbers two through ten. And listening is one of them too. How do you get better at listening? Right. Listening is very important. Absolutely. It's the key to life right there. It is the key to life. Okay, so now, like I said, you are a five-time Grammy Award winner. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you set out to win the Grammy? Did you say, okay, I'm going to do this record and I'm going to win the Grammy? Or did it happen because your music was just that awesome? And how did winning the Grammy change your life? Um, it just happened. Um, I, I won all five of these Grammys with Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tunes. Um, although I've had a Grammy nomination for my own record, um, I didn't win it, but it was nice to be one of the five finalists and get to go with my whole band uh, to the Grammys. That was nice. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, my, my another thing that my, my parents made us re- really realize as, as we were kids is that awards, you don't give yourself awards. In other words, I don't vote for myself and I win a Grammy. It comes from other people. And, and so an award is what other people think. The real reward is you. If you know you're doing your best, you know, and, and you're putting your voice out there, other people don't have to know and you can still be Grammy worthy. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was the main thing that uh, Bela Fleck and the Flecktones, we were such a different band in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a band like us, banjo, harmonica. My brother plays the drums on an instrument he invented. And, uh, and so we were... Instrument? Yeah, yeah. Wow. He calls it a drummatar. It looks like a, a looks like an electronic drum, a, a, an electronic guitar that you might see in Star Trek, but he plays yeah. drums Wow. Yeah. And so we were just doing what we do. And that's what makes the award even more special because we weren't trying for it. Yeah. But people uh, rewarded us anyway. And so every Grammy has been uh, that special because it's not our goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, those are the best rewards when people reward you for just doing a good job with what you love to do. That's, those are the best. Those are the best. That's just so amazing. So, you know, you you and your brothers, y'all started out in a group together. You now, are are you the youngest? I am. I okay, am. Okay, yeah. so you were the youngest, and you know they let you join the band. <laughs> right. That's right. And then That's you just right. came on and just made the whole thing complete. And then you all were doing those Bush Garden, um, the mm-hmm. the the uh, 
Yeah. Things, things, Bluegrass bands yeah, and yeah, all did, kinds of stuff. And then yeah. did the USO tours. And then you just, it's like God had his hands on you. And that's just it. I'm sorry. Because your your legacy is incredible. I mean, it's just one thing after the other. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I I, I, I really do agree with you on that. Um, And, you know, I my main thing with the camps and, and teaching is that I want people to have what I had growing up. Uh, you know, I'm the youngest of five brothers, and people hear that and they're like, oh, man, you must have got beat up. You know, <laughs> you, you never got the food, any, any food. Oh, my and it was exactly the opposite. Oh, my. my brothers are still the way that they take care of me first. Oh. Um, a lot of the things I get credit for on the base are because my brother Reggie said, man, Victor, if you do this, you know, people will freak out or it's going to change the base world if you do this. You know, they always pointed me in the right direction. So, uh, and my parents first, before that, they weren't musicians, but they were very musical. Mm-hmm. And their main concern was who we were as people. Right. Whether you play music or sports or whatever, bring a good person to that and display who you are through that, what you do. And so we, we learned that. And, uh, and I just wanted people to, to have a little bit of what I had growing up. And so that's what I share with people. My mama, again, always said, if you treat life right, life will treat you right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a surprise for us that we've gotten accolades and people you know, like and talk about what we do uh, because, you know, m- mom made sure that we were people that should be talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, when people would say, well, Miss Wooten, how, how do you get out there? How do you be famous? Her thing was, well, what are you doing that, the, that I should know about? Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, need to, you need to be, do good stuff first. And then even if the world never finds out about it, you're still worthy of it. Right. Wow. And so that was that's what we set out to do. Well, y'all set out to do it and still doing the doggone thing. Okay, <laughs> you are such a, a teacher, a professor, a master at your craft, a master on your instrument. Um, I have a question, okay, because I'm not really a master yet. <laughs> okay, so when you go in the studio, right, I'm, I'm just asking for a little advice. So just, just tell me what your thoughts. How do you know, okay, like I have a track that I'm working on. Now, I'm struggling with, do I have enough instrumentation on the track? Should I add more vocals, you know, uh, arrangements? Should I put a horn on? Should I do it? How do you know to stop and say, you know what, it's enough on the track. Let's edit. Let's not add anymore. Or it's good. Like, I mean, when do you know it's enough? Um, That's a good question, and I don't know if there's an answer for it. I I don't really have one. Um... I don't really have a, a, an answer that's always true, mm-hmm. um, but I've had some songs where someone would say, hey, do me a favor, mute this, and I mute this one instrument, and I go, ooh, wow, it's better without it, oh, yeah. at, you know, at least for this section of the song or something, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I don't really know. I think the best thing you can do or any musician can do is to listen to a lot of music. I mean, and not just stuff you like, 
You know, because you can learn from the stuff that you hate. Yeah. Because the more you get into even the stuff you hate, you'll find things in it that you like. Mm-hmm. It's like people. I, mean, I don't like that person. Okay, get to know them. Sit down talk to them. You go, oh, you know, that person's actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So just listen a lot. And, uh, and with music, you know, music just needs the bottom, right? It needs something low on the bottom. Right. It needs some harmony in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right? And it needs a melody. Yeah. You know? And, you know, if you want to add a, a good a good beat to that, and if it has that, it's, it's, it's complete. Yeah. And, you know, you can sprinkle, you know, icing on the cake or sprinkles on top of the icing if you want. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a that's totally a judgment call on yeah. on the person. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. But sometimes when I listen to stuff, I'm like, should I hear so and so, so and so playing? You know, being played there. I don't know. I guess it's all about, like you said, edit. You have to edit, and you have to know when enough is enough, and when to give up on the track, and when not to give up on it. I guess. Right, and everyone's gonna have a different view. Yeah. You ask one person, they say, "Oh, it needs this." You ask another person, say, "Oh, it doesn't need this." You know, it's gonna be the same thing that someone else said needed. Right. So, you know, I. It depends on why you're doing the song. A lot of times, I make music that I just love, mm-hmm. and then if people like it, then I usually have fans for life. Yes. Because I'm putting out music that is totally me. Mm-hmm. Right. Tony, I'll tell you one quick story. Okay, good. Um, I love good stories. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, um, you know, I love what we call smooth jazz music. Oh, yeah. A lot of people make fun of it, Kenny G or whatever. But, you know, Grover Washington Jr., Najee, you know, there were a lot of this smooth jazz, you know, forever. Ever since there was jazz, you know. Exactly. But people started making fun of it. And so, but I would hear some of these songs on the smooth jazz radio station. And I remember sitting thinking, man, I could write 10 of these songs a day, I bet. Wow. You know, because they're just simple grooves, simple melody. And so on a record of mine called Yin Yang, um, I said, you know, I'm going to write a smooth jazz song, and I'm going to follow the smooth jazz formula. Like songs have formulas, you know. Mm-hmm. And smooth jazz is a simple groove has a simple melody, but the melody has to be played with either a saxophone, preferably soprano sax, or guitar. It's got to mm-hmm. be high. And this melody's got to be simple. And so I followed the formula and wrote a song and put it on that record. It's called The Urban Turban was the name of the song. Mm-hmm. And man, that song got so much radio play in L.A., on the smooth jazz stations back in the uh, early 2000s mm-hmm. that my record got a Grammy nomination. Wow. And what a lot of people would do would be to keep writing songs like that to get more radio play and more Grammy nominations. But that wasn't me. I'm like, okay, I did that. It was a success. I know that formula, but it's not me. And so I just kept doing the music that makes me happy. And the audience that I have will be with me for life because I'm just being me. Yeah, you're just being you. And, and you know, and one thing about I, that I do know, you cannot fool your audience. You cannot fool them. And a lot of, lot of entertainers and musicians, they go, they don't know. I'm thinking, yes, they do. 
Trust and believe. Don't look at your audience and underestimate them because they do right. know. It's going to be, if it's only five or ten people, they know. So, you know, just yeah. always go and be honest with yourself before you, you know, before you do what you're doing because you cannot fool them. Right. I, I agree with that. Just be you. Just be you. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're the only you there ever will be. Your That's fingerprint it. has never been here before. And That's it. Your fingerprint will never be here again. So that's that's the thing that makes you you, and I want to give my audience that. I know, I know that's the truth. Okay, now this is this was fascinating to me. Okay, I was just going to ask you now. You are so busy. I know you don't have a whole lot of downtime, but the downtime that you do have, you do magic and you're acrobat. Please, yeah, yeah, tell yeah. Me about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of that I've turned over to my kids now. But, okay. you know, sometimes you might be in New Orleans or New York and you see these kids flipping off the street, jumping over people, flipping in the air. I was one of those guys. I, I, I never I never had any acrobat training or gymnastics training. Mm -hmm. um, but I was good at it, you know, because I did the kind of – you know, stuff on the street, and I was like, okay, we can't mess up, because, you know, I'm going to break my neck or have a broke back if I mess up, right. so you do it right. Right. You know, uh, but my kids, now I've got a son that's a, a senior, about to be a senior at University of Michigan, and he's an all-American gymnast. Mm -hmm. And my younger son, who's also a gymnast, but he's, he plays soccer, but he still uses his gymnastics on the soccer field. Mm hmm my daughter uh, took gymnastics, but one of my daughters, my youngest daughter, and she's now doing like aerial silks and circus kind of stuff. You know, so I used to do that quite a bit, but I turned it over to the kids now. Okay. And uh, I, I still kind of, I do a backhand spring for myself on my birthday. I'm 57 now. You do a backhand what? Yeah, just to make sure I can still do it out in the yard. <laughs> Please be you careful know, with it, that. <laughs> it don't. It don't. Look, it's not pretty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My kids just laugh at me because they can make it look good. Mine's ugly, okay. but I do it. I, I do know. it. You disappear so, thing. <laughs> yeah. But you know and what? I've always loved magic. Too. Yeah. I've always loved it. So so magic, so you yeah. don't do any any type of magic anymore. You know, if we're sitting at the dinner table, I might you know, make a coin disappear or something, but I don't practice anymore now. Okay, really? I can make your chocolate chip cookies disappear. I bet you could, and you will, <laughs> I promise you, you will get some. Okay, right. so tell me about the NYC Empire base by Fodero from your personal Fodero, Fodero. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, that particular base, well, well, the, the short story, the short version of the long story is, is in the early 80s, um, us brothers was doing a record deal for Arista Records, produced by a producer named uh, Kashif, Ooh, who, yes. who did a lot of great stuff. Yeah, and we met him when he was working with Whitney. Uh, not Whitney. Even uh, he did produce Whitney's first record. Which two of my brothers are. Two of my brothers are on Whitney's first record. Um, Roy playing some drums and Joseph playing. Uh, I'm sorry, singing background on a song called "Thinking About You." But when Kashif was working with Stephanie Mills, we met him. And in the early 80s, he started producing a record on us for the, for uh, Arista. Mm -hmm. And we were in the studio. I was in the market for a new bass. I got introduced to a guy named uh, Denny Fodera and Joey Laricella. And they were, I didn't know it at the time. It was their first year making basses. I fell in love with this Fodera bass. I started playing their basses, and I've been playing them since 1983. 
And then uh, I have another one of their bases, another model called the NYC base, New York City. And I took one and I said, you know, I'm going to get all my friends that I run across and I'm going to get them to sign. So people like Marcus Miller, Chuck Rainey, a bunch of people. And I have one that I don't really even want to play because there's so many signatures on it. And uh, and so I'm gonna like I don't know auction it off or something. I think it may be on my web store. Yeah. But I have another NYC that I do play. Okay. But I've got one with a bunch of signatures. All my brothers, uh, a guy named Victor Bailey who took Jocko's place with Weather Report. He's since passing away. Yeah. He's on it. So that that base will go with to somebody at some point. I know it. Like on your website, it's like, it said it'd be twenty thousand. I'm thinking that's all. I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah. You can get at least a hundred yeah. for that that base. It, it's a it's a special one. Yeah, it's a special one. One thing I will say, Tony, the, the cool thing about the electric bass is unlike the violin, which is you know hundreds of years or thousands of years old or whatever, hundreds right. of years old probably mm -hmm. violin. Mm -hmm. uh, even the double bass, the upright bass. I have a bass right in my right here. I have a bass that's from seventeen hundreds. You do right? That's old. I do. Wow. Yeah. It's old bass, but the electric bass is right around 70 years old. It's very young. So if we think about it, many of the people who first played the instrument, like Chuck Rainey, mm -hmm. some of the first, they're still alive. Wow. So it's very, very cool. So I got as many of them as I could to sign this bass. So let's imagine, like, think about having, like, an airplane wing or something signed by the Wright Brothers yeah. or whoever. Yeah. You know, and so I've got a base like that with a bunch of these people, Stanley Clark, Marcus Miller. Ooh. And so, yeah, so that'll go to somebody at some point. Yeah. It, it might need to go for more than 20, though. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. yeah. Wow. Okay, so, you know, you, yes, that sounds very special, especially you've won every major award given to a basis, including being voted uh, basis of the year in Base Player Magazine. Polling three times only, you're the only person that ever won that many times. From what I understand, what yeah, understand. Maybe, maybe even the only person that won it more than once. Yeah, how do you, yeah, yeah more than once, and you won it three times. How does that make you feel? How do you stay so humble and giving and kind? And well, not the big kid walking around like a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've got to say, my parents and, uh, took care of that when mm -hmm. we were very, very young. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the other thing to remember is the main thing I am, Tony, is honest. Yes. That, that award tells me what other people think about me. Mm. So in some people's mind, I'm the worst bass player. Oh. And, they're, and they're just as right. Mm. They're just as right as the people who say I'm the best. It's okay. what other people think. It's yeah. not really who I am. Right. It's subjective. Right. Mm -hmm. And I accept whatever you think. Yeah. And because my career is dependent upon what you think, I want to know. Yeah. And when people like me, of course, it makes, us, makes me feel really, really good. Yeah. But I have to say honest to myself. Because I can have a bad night, and people will still tell me I sounded great. And if I only believe what they say, I may run the risk of stop growing. Right. Okay. And so I have to weigh what I think about myself right. with what the audience is receiving yeah. also. 
And for me, the good compliments and the bad compliments go in the same box. Okay. It just lets me know what people think of me. Right. So, in other words, you don't believe the hype either way. You just stay neutral and just try to continue being the best that you can be for yourself. Yeah, but I don't say that I don't believe it. When people okay. say I'm great, I believe it. <laughs> okay. I mean, because I, in my mind, I am. I'm not better than anyone else, right? But that doesn't mean I'm not great. And it would be a, it would be it would be a lie for me to think I'm not great. Right. See, many of, many of us artists are not allowed to think that we're great. If I say, if someone says, are you a good bass player? And I say, yes, oh, ego, whatever. No, it's the truth. Right. I am good. My parents taught us that. If you don't know who you are, the world will tell you. Exactly. Who you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you notice, like, growing up in the mm -hmm. 50s, 60s or before as, as a person of color, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to they're gonna tell you who you are, but you need to know who you are. Exactly. And, I know myself as a great basis. Mm -hmm. Not because it's ego. What is ego? If you really know what ego means, ego means knowing yourself. Right. It's a sense of self. Mm -hmm. And I know who I am. I have something to offer. But at the same time, I know that everybody's great. Everybody has something to offer. Yes. It may not be on the base. But, you know, I, I, I maybe, maybe I can't even flip a burger like someone at, at, at Five Guys or, or, or McDonald's or whatever. Mm -hmm. Everybody has something to offer. Mm -hmm. So so I do believe the hype, but the hype is just what you think. And mm -hmm. who am I to tell you that what you think is wrong? Exactly. So I'm not going to say, well, I don't believe you. You're telling me what you think, and I say, well, I don't believe you think that. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I don't uh, define myself by what you think. Right. But again, because my career is dependent upon what you think, I want to know. Yeah. And I and I val I value what you think, whether you like me or not. Hmm. Because if you if you agree with the good stuff that people say, then you got to agree with the bad stuff too. That's true. And so I take it all, but it comes down to who I am to me. That to me is the realness of, of, of that. Because there's a lot of people who are successful who don't love themselves. That's true. Right? So, you know, it's more than what others think. Um, but I, I, I would say this, I, more than believe or whatever, I accept whatever you say. I think that's a better, more accurate word. Uh, I, I mean, I just love your perspective, how you broke that down. Um, you know, you're not being cocky and arrogant, but you know who you are. You, you have self-worth. You know, who, you know what you bring. And it's, it's, it's like, it's, you know, you don't hear a lot of people speak that way mm -hmm. uh, this day and time and everything. And, I, I, you know, it just sounds like you have a really um, unique perspective about your life. And that's probably why you are who you are. And, uh, you know, people it, line it, up. It is. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. It's, it is. And that came from my parents from when we were infants. They were drilling this into our minds to know who you are. If, if you think of this, Tony, if, you know, like, if, if I have a big brother who can, who can dunk a basketball, and I can't yet, and I tell my big brother, wow, you're so amazing that you can dunk the basketball. Should the big brother stop dunking the ball because I can't do it? Should the big brother say, oh, no, I'm not that good. I'm not going to. No. The big brother is showing me who I can be. Exactly. 
by being that good. So when people put me on a pedestal, I never come off the pedestal. Right. Because they're telling me what they can see. Yeah. Right? They're not really telling me who they who I am. They're telling me how they see me. Mm. And I want them to see me at the highest level possible because that's gonna help them achieve that. It would do people a disservice for me to come down off the pedestal they put me on. Yeah. So I never come down, but what I do do is try to help bring them up on that pedestal with me. Now see, that's and what makes you so awesome. You care about the up and coming. You want to help people and, and nurture them so they can be the best that they can be. And that's what I love about your generous spirit, your entire career. Not only are you leaving a musical legacy, but you're leaving a, a, a humanitarian legacy. Because when, my, when that guy described your base camp, he, he, it was like a spiritual retreat almost. He, it, it just moved him and you care about people. And man, that's just yeah. awesome. awesome. That's the main goal. You know, I, I know that music will bring people there. Yeah. Um, but I want people to leave. Of course, you know, better musicians, but better people better having people. a, a, a yes. falling in love with themselves yeah. and knowing that they are worthy. That's what mm -hmm. the world needs. That's it. Yeah, man. Okay, so I know you're out on tour. I'm not going to hold you much longer, but I have really mm -hmm. enjoyed speaking with you. So now, are you out with um, the Extreme Bass Basis or right. SMV? Who are you out with? Extreme Bass. Right. So right now it's Bass Extremes. Bass, yeah, Bass yeah. Extremes. Yeah. Exactly. We okay. have a new album coming out in in April. No, no. What am I talking about? In August. August. One okay. of those. One of those a month. In August, yeah. we have a new record, and we haven't done a record in. Probably 20 years. Right. Probably, maybe 10 or 20 years. But So we have a new record. So we're out touring that just to kind of drum up some, some publicity and some interest. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we just released one of the songs that has Marcus Miller on it Ooh. and Ron Carter, the most Ooh. recorded jazz bassist of all time, playing together for the first time on a recording. That's and another one of my heroes, John Patitucci, who I love John famous. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Play with Chick Corea. Yeah. And of course Steve Bailey and myself mm -hmm. with his bass streams and drummer right. Greg Bissonette. Wow. So five bases on this song. People can go online right now and get the song or watch the videos called the, the song that's out right now is called Home Base. Home Base. B A B A S S. And so, you know, we for the first time we released a single. We've never done that. Mm -hmm. And the record will come out in a couple of months. So we're touring quite a bit with this uh this trio mm -hmm. with a few special guests here and there. Mm -hmm. Uh to drum up some interest in this new record, yes. That's amazing. And I wish you all the success and prosperity that God continues to show you anyway. <laughs> and, Thank you. Okay, Thank you so, so much. uh are you gonna be doing any more gigs with SMB anytime soon? Coming to Atlanta maybe? We don't have anything planned with SMV, but every time we see each other, we talk about it. Okay. Uh, we do talk about it because uh, we shot a video of a live show in Paris, mm -hmm. and we haven't done anything with it. Oh, wow. So we keep saying, man, we should put that video out. Y'all need to go uh, and do that. I mean, that's what y'all really need to do. Let me we tell should. you. <laughs> <laughs> we that's should. Clark, you and Marcus Miller? Yeah. Wow. That's heaven. That was a dream come base. true for me. Yes, I bet it was. That's yeah. awesome, Victor. Well, Victor, thank you so much for sharing this interview. 
with uh, me and all your listeners. And I just want to thank God for allowing you to use your gift in the greatest capacity. And you continue to do that. You are truly blessed. You know, your music, uh, your music uh, legacy is anointed. I feel it just from talking to you. And I'm just so thankful that you did this. So I appreciate you so much. And tell Holly and the boys I said hello. <laughs> I sure will. Tony, I thank you so much, um, you know, for, for being a person who, who, who brings a musician like me to the, to the forefront so that people know what we do. But, you know, I mean, having talent is just a part of it. It takes a village, as they say, and I appreciate you. And uh, even my longtime friend, Marilyn Blackburn. Yes. Um, for bringing us together. I know. And, uh, you know, everybody, big or small, everybody is a part of this whole puzzle of life. Yeah. And, you know, don't think that you have to be famous or, or recognized or to win awards to be worthy. Yeah. You know, every everybody, you know, if you have a good musician, a good musician is nothing without listeners. Right. You know, so we need someone just to listen. Yeah. And that's just as special to me as me getting to do it is to have someone to listen to it. So everybody plays a part, and I thank everybody for playing your part. Yeah, well, we thank you, and I thank God for your gift. Okay, so now make sure, text me an address, uh, let me know when you're going to be home so I can ship you those cookies, because you've got to have them. Oh, okay, (laughs) all right, I'll send you my address for sure. All right then, Victor. Thank you so very much, and have a great time in San Francisco. Thank you. I thank you, too. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you all enjoyed my interview with the great bass master, five-time Grammy Award winner, Victor Wooten. And as you can tell, he is a very nice guy. Be sure to check out my radio station on Pandora, Tony Red Radio. Check out my music, download, stream, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon, anywhere that you can stream and purchase. And remember, a day without music is unnecessary. Thank you for listening.